Right, I'm going to invite James up. Let's give him a cheer. And I've known James 17 years maybe now. No, 16 years, which is amazing. So, uh, yeah, I remember James from first coming to Aberdeen. And, uh, yeah, just an incredible man. A great friend, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to stop now. But just a great guy and a great support to us, James and uh, Tori as well. We love them. It's our second time here. They were with us in 2019 for our second birthday, I believe, as well. And we're just excited for what the Lord's going to bring this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for James. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you just illuminate the words that he's prepared. Bring them to life, Lord. And may they just be received by open hearts. Would you come? Would you come by your presence? Would you transform? Would you shake up? Would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much, Thomas. Uh, you know, let's just hear it for Thomas and Mary as well, eh? You know, it, it, fifth birthday, you know, it, yeah, it takes a lot to plant a church and a lot of risk, a lot of energy and, um, yeah. And we just want to honor you in all of that. Listen, um, there are a few seats down here, by the way. I, I'm looking at you lot who came in and went straight for the VIP comfy seats. So yes, I'm, I can, I'm watching you. So here's the deal. We're going to talk. Like I do think what, what um, uh, Thomas did earlier on about just shake it off and shake it up a little bit. Like I do sense that this is a time to do that. And Tor was exhorting us, wasn't she, uh, in that in that moment? And uh, so, listen, if you like, you don't have to do this, but for those of you who are towards the back, why don't you come near the front? Like, it helps the preacher. I've got to be honest. So, if you want, I'm going to put in the visiting card speaker moment today. Anybody who comes here is going to get a special blessing. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. It might be an extra biscuit. But I'm guessing, so it's up to you. Gosh, you know, I'm putting it out there. All right, so listen, some of you know me. It's lovely, uh, and Tori, you, you know, um, I see some faces around the room, and, and it's like it's great to see, you know, people that we know and to connect again, and our stories in some way have kind of been interwoven or touched, and, you know, and it's lovely. And there's a whole bunch of you. I haven't a clue who you are, but it's great to see you, uh, and it's lovely um, to make, um, yeah, a connection. Um, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how sometimes God opens doors. Um, well over 15 years ago, I was in a church service. It was at City Church, which is now Catalyst. And um, I was leading the service. And as I was, just like Thomas and Mary would do most Sundays, you know, we'd come with a little bit of expectation that God would speak. And the Lord gave me a little picture. And it was of somebody going up to a cabinet and opening the cabinet, taking a trophy out. There was a bunch of little trophies, taking it out, thinking, hmm, polishing the trophy and putting it back. And I felt like the Lord had just dropped it into my heart. Like there is fresh races to be won. There's a bunch of people in the room that have run a good race. And they, in a sense, have got the trophy. They've got the medal. But what we're doing is we're living in the past. 
we're living with the sense of, hey, this was good, and we're polishing the past. But I felt like the Lord say, and this was 15 years ago at least, there's a, there's a fresh, there's some fresh races to be run. There's some fresh adventure to be had. There's some fresh goals to go after. I mean, heck, it's, you know, your stuff here is join the adventure. In fact, join in the adventure. All right, so I'm, I have this picture at church. And a guy who's an older gentleman jumps out of his seat, literally runs to the front and says, I've got to tell you. This morning at 6 a.m., the Lord woke me up. And he woke me up, and he said, pick up this medal. And he had some medals in his bedroom. And he said, you've got to bring this medal to church. And so he brought the medal. And he said, and actually, James, I know the Lord told me to give it to you. And so suddenly I'm having a picture of trophies, and a man comes and gives me a medal and says, I think there's a, me- there's a race for you to be running as well, James. Okay, fast forward a week, I'm in a conference with a whole group of leaders from all over the world, and I get to know these guys from Sri Lanka, a guy called Leslie Matthews. He's a guy who's planted 30 churches in war-torn Sri Lanka amongst the Tamils. He's a Tamil himself. His story is extraordinary. Anyway, so we're sharing a minibus after the conference going back to Luton Airport to get on Squeezy Jet to fly home. So I'm sitting next to him, and he's going, and, and, and I won't do the accent and all the rest of it, but he's basically saying, James, would you come to Sri Lanka? And I said to him, well, for those of you that know me and those of you that don't, I actually grew up in India. And I said, well, I don't, ev- don't want to go back to that area on a nostalgia trip. I want to make sure that God makes it clear for me to go. Anyway, he says, I'd love you to come and speak at this conference we have for young people. And he pulls out a calendar and it's called the winner's conference but it no no it gets better and in the corner and it's like the emblem of the conference is a medal and I was like I've seen the medal before and I pulled out my wallet opened my wallet up picked out this medal and put it alongside this thing and it was this, and on the medal was a man crossing the line like this as a finishing line. And on, my, uh, on the medal that I had was exactly the same. And in that, in, in that moment, the Holy Spirit filled Leslie and filled me. And the pair of us, grown men, are like crying <laughs> on the way to Luton Airport. And I was shaking and having a proper moment that, wow, God, you're opening a door of possibility. What am I going to do with that? It was like God suddenly spoke to me and gave me permission to go to Sri Lanka. Fast forward five years. I'm now in Sri Lanka in a compound of the Tamil Tigers. And myself and my brother-in-law were stood with a man who was basically the equivalent of, of Jerry Adams from the Sinn Féin Irish movement. And this guy was basically the leader of the, uh, of the area, uh, this particular area of Sri Lanka we were in. He was the Tamil Tiger leader. And he came in, and we had the opportunity to talk to him. We had chai together, a cup of tea. And then we talked to him about Jesus because he wanted to know what we were doing there. 
And then he said, would you pray for me? And this is, uh, honestly, I found myself in the most bizarre situations at times. And he said, would you pray for me? I'm a lapsed Catholic. And he knelt down. And, I, and so me and Stan, my, we knelt with him and we prayed for him. I'm going, who am I to do this? God, you know what, guys? God can position us wherever he wants for his purposes. And I tell you this story is because I feel like this morning, at five years on, God wants to remind Inverness Vineyard that you are not here by accident, but he wants to position you for purpose in this place. But you're going to get rattled. You're going to get shaken because it's not going to happen in the comfortableness of the VIP seats. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You should have moved. <laughs> because you get, when God speaks, he sometimes speaks a word that makes us uncomfortable because he wants us to move us into his purposes and not ours. Come on now, people. All right. So, hey, we've been doing this like monstrous, uh, or should I say mammoth, brilliant series on the book of Acts. We've just gone through the whole of the book of Acts in our church. All the way through the book of Acts, we see this principle that God is at work in his people, but God is also at work in the world. And the people of God are unaware of what's going on over here. So you'll think about Acts Pentecost. You know, right at the beginning, we hone in, don't we, on 120 in the upper room, and they've been praying and fasting and waiting on God. And it's kind of like the... You know, if it was a film, it was like it zooms in on them. And you're kind of preoccupied with what's going on. And then the Spirit comes upon them. And we all go, yeah! Yeah? Okay. <laughs> this is not the cinema, okay? This is like full interaction, people. Okay. So, so you know, we get in the Bible, we, we follow these stories. And we're like, God's doing something in his people. Think about this. God has brought thousands of people into Jerusalem for Passover. He has prepared the hearts of 3,000. God's been at work amongst a whole group of people, preparing them, readying them. Something's going on. The Spirit of God has been prompting and prodding and doing something. God's Spirit comes upon this group. Peter and the guys come out into the open, and as they preach, what happens? These, these two stories collide. The people of God, the spirit of God at work, collision, birth. Something happens. 3,000 people believe and are baptized. There is new life. This is a place, isn't it on your strap line? Where life comes? Well, I'm just thinking that. It needs something to happen amongst us for us then to be moved out of the comfort, moved out of this environment into this environment because God's at work in this environment, but it's hidden. But we need obedience to move from here to here. But the moment we get here, something awesome happens and babies are born. Boom. We see that right at the start of the book of 
Acts. And it's a principle that happens all the way through Acts chapter 10. We zoom in. Are you ready for I hope, I hope you're all right with this. We zoom in. Peter is having a lovely old time on the roof. Some of us would be sunbathing. It's after all, it's Israel. It's nice and warm, you know. Caesar's, um, you know, he's sort of like, he's gone, instead of having dinner, he's gone to have some time with Jesus on the roof. And then we zoom in on that. God's doing something in Peter. He has a vision. So we have this moment going on. But at the same time, God's at work over here. In a man called Cornelius. And this, oh yeah, look at now, come on. You are amazing. You've just become my favorite person. Other than my wife, you are my, woo. Come on, Lord. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, where were we? Cornelius. So hey, let's think about it. We, we zoom in on Peter and stuff's happening with Peter. But the reality is God is visiting Cornelius. Now let's just think about for a second. Who is Cornelius? He's a centurion of the Roman army. He is a perceived enemy. And an angel has gone to visit him and to awaken something in him. But it needs Peter to be moved from the roof to connect with what God is already doing over here. And then we see again, God at work here, God at work here. And the two stories come in and they collide and boom, babies are born. An entire family is brought into the kingdom of God. Can you see it? We see it with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip gets a little visitation, go to this road. That's all he knows. God's at work in God's people, stirring them up. You've got to move. And guess what? God's already at work amongst this man who's hungry and stirred. And yes, he's come for Passover and he's desperately pressing in. But it needs Philip to interpret the questions and to ask. So the questions of the man's heart, the spirit is at work here in Philip, but he's at work in the Ethiopian. Guess what? The two stories are brought together. Collision. Boom. New baby. A new baby that then returns to Africa and brings the gospel to an entire continent. Can you see it? God's positioning his people For purpose, you guys are not in the room by accident. There's a whole load of stuff happening that God's Spirit is doing in in Inverness and beyond and in our our colleges and in our workplace and in our neighborhoods and in our neighbors next door and strangers in the street and people in Asda and Tesco or whatever supermarket. If you're posh, you might be in Sainsbury's. I don't know. But do you see what I'm saying? This principle is all over the Bible and the book of Acts. And I just want to hone in on one other one because it's when Paul's conversion, when Paul comes to faith, we see some principles at work, more principles, and just kind of cements. It's a great picture of how God works. 
And so in Acts chapter 9, you can turn there if you want. We're going to dip in and out of it a little bit. But the background is this, as many of you know. Or maybe if you're new to faith, this guy, his name's Saul, but I'm just going to call him Paul because it's just easier all the way through. Because this guy is breathing out murderous threats. Do you think this this is just a bye-bye kind of moment? I've mentioned Cornelius as an enemy of, of the people. And now here is Paul, who's an enemy of the people of God. Anyway, so here is Paul, and he is absolutely adamant. He wants to destroy kind of the people of God, this new move, these Jesus followers. And so he gets permission from the priests in Jerusalem to go to Damascus. He is on a mission. He's got a plan, but God has a different purpose for him. How many of us have got plans, but actually God's got purpose And we need a collision with Jesus for our plans to get turned around. And we know that that's what happens in in Acts chapter 9. Paul is going towards Damascus with his plan. He thinks he knows what he's about and what he's going to do. And he encounters the resurrected Jesus on the road. And read the account in Acts chapter 9. It's brilliant because it's not a little, oh, that was a nice encounter. It was a powerful, such a powerful encounter. It says he was thrown from his horse. Like this is a proper man-off moment. <laughs> it's like you just messed with me. <laughs> you know. It says he was blinded by the light of Jesus. And for three days he stumbles around in the dark. Like an encounter with God has left this man blind. And vulnerable and actually asking a whole bunch of questions. You see, God's at work over here. And the, the rest of the body of Christ doesn't even realize it's going on. That God has broken into a man's life or is arresting a man's life. He's stopping him in his tracks. And he's got him from a place of... He thought he was arriving in Damascus with a triumphant entry and bringing fear to the people of God. And now he is being led as a blind man, vulnerable, and asking a whole bunch of questions about what on earth is my life going to be like. I'm alive, but I'm blind, and I don't even now know what my life is about. And so God's doing that. And at the same time, as Paul is in the darkness, and it references for three days he's in the dark. (laughs) Well, we've heard that one before, haven't we? For three days, Jesus was in the tomb. Darkness is not a bad thing if if God um, brings it. Because it's like conviction of the Spirit. It's like you need time to see who you are. Some of us have experienced that. When we met Jesus, we're deeply convicted by our sin and who we are. And it almost feels like I'm in dark. And, but, I, I'm gonna, but we know after three days, light comes. We know after three days, there is a resurrection moment. And we see it in the life of Paul. And so here's the spirit is doing something in this man Paul's life. And at the same time, God's so good. What does he do? Acts chapter 9. Um, verse 10, because in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. 
the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. And the Lord told him, go to the house on Judas Street. Sorry, on the house of Judas on Straight Street. And ask for a man named, a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Look at his response. Oh, Lord. Ananias answered, I've heard the reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest us all who call on his name. And the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. And Ananias went to the house and entered it. I know you love this. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fall from Saul's eyes so he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. God is doing something in this man Saul's life. But, and I don't know why God does this, but he chooses the church to play a role in birthing a new believer. You see that? He chooses this man Ananias to go to him, to place his hands on him, and to release him into all that God has got for him. The church plays a role, a significant role in seeing new births. That's what we see in this passage. God's at work over here, but God is doing a work with this man called Ananias, isn't he? And he's getting him ready. He's got to move him from this place to this place. He needs to move him to where God is moving. We need to be moved in here to be moved out here, to be moved to the place where God is moving. Steve Nicholson says this about Christianity. The problem is we like to row the boat. And it's hard. But when you raise the sail and just let the wind blow and give yourself to the work of the Spirit, He will position you and it's nowhere near as hard a work. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense. Because he's God, and he's got some people, and he's touching some lives, and he's at work in the darkness. Ananias is a man who was ready, who's a man who was waiting. He was a man that was being prepared, and he's a man that is obedient. But God wants to move us and position him for the Father's purposes. And it's rare it happens in calm water. I got up this morning and we, we stayed overnight near the canal. And I went out and it was a it's beautiful morning. And the canal is just like a piece of glass. Perfect, you know, um, reflection of the clouds. It was beautiful. And I saw these couple of um, scholars were just sculling on this beautiful sort of crystal clear flat water. 
And I'm like, Lord, why, why isn't it, Lord, that, you know, you ask us to do stuff when it's nice and calm? Because when he asks us to do stuff when it's nice and calm, it's easy to row the boat ourselves. Holy Spirit comes to Ananias and he says, I want you to go to this house and look at the environment. The environment is an environment of crisis. It's an environment of potential deep persecution. It is an environment of fear. This man, Paul, is bringing fear to Damascus. He wants to round up the Christians. You know, suddenly God speaks an uncomfortable word and the fear is very real. And we see a beautiful obedience in the face of, in spite of fear. I don't know about how you imagine this stuff. I get into it. I become Ananias or I'm like a bystander. And I can imagine, Lord, 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 hold on, Lord. Hold on. That guy is going to kill us. I'm not sure you got the right guy. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't we all be like that? Like, and then it's like, okay, Lord, you've said go. And, you know, that when he says go there, it's quite a profound get a move on, son, kind of in the Greek. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's like, it's quite a profound get moving. And so he's like, okay, Lord, I'm going. All right? And so I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm, an, I'm Ananias now. And how many of us have done this? We're trying to be obedient to God. You get near the street. And you go to the door, and you're like, I'll just tap lightly. Because nobody's home, Lord. I tried. Nobody was there. You know, that kind of thing is going on in us. And then he's like, tap, tap, tap. And then the door opens. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> because you think about that. In that moment of crossing that threshold into that house, he is basically saying, ah, oh, by the way, uh, I'm a Christian. I'm blowing my cover. And I know you're looking for Christians to persecute. That's exactly, he is fully exposed in that moment in front of this man, Paul, who's come looking. He's come looking for God's people. But we know when we push through the fear, we let the faith rise. And even in spite of the fear, because that doesn't ever go away often. It's like, no, in this, in this. Even in the presence of it, we're going to step forward, and there he is. There's Paul, blind, hunkered down, and now he goes and puts his hands on him. And what does he do? Brings life and light and vision. It's pretty cool stuff going on here. He pushes through with obedience, and now Paul, in his confusion and his questions, all of that is answered the moment he gets his hands placed on him. The Holy Spirit comes upon Paul. And it says, and his vision is restored. Not just his physical vision, but now his true destiny, his future. Actually, his life is wrapped up in God's new purposes for him. When we think about this stuff, there's a whole load. There are thousands of people that God has a destiny. He's got a purpose for, but you and me need to be positioned. We need to be open to being positioned by God for his purposes. And so I, what I see here is Ananias is like the unbelievable unsung hero of the New Testament. 
I, I call him, he's a fast man. He's a fast man. Not be, he's not famous, but he's fast. It's an acronym. That's the word. We were sat in <laughs> last night going, what do you call it when you've got a F-A-S-T and the word, and then with the F, you know, you've got a word. And, you know, and we were like, is it allegory? No, no, anagram. No, no. <laughs> acronym. Faithful. He's faithful. It says that he's a devoted disciple. You know what? Like Peter on the roof before dinner, he made a little bit of extra time probably for the Lord. He made time to listen. And when we intentionally listen, God brings a vision. Funny that, isn't it? When we incline our ear to him, he speaks. Maybe he's always speaking. Maybe there's a whole load of vision just kind of like in and around all of us. And then suddenly when we actually incline, it goes and it sticks. He's faithful. He's a listener. You know what? A, he's available. I think a whole load of stuff. God is just looking for a people that aren't famous. I think God's very deliberate in choosing this man, that he's not an apostle. He's not a well-known guy. You know, and the likelihood is this. The commentators would say he was probably pushed out of Jerusalem when the church was persecuted and scattered. So he is in Damascus, not in his own choosing. He is out of his comfort zone already. But he is placed there and he is being faithful there. And so he's made himself available there. I wonder if you've been pushed into an uncomfortable place. Not by choice. Maybe it's because God's actually allowed that. Now be faithful in it. Because he's got something else for you. He's going to do something through you. He's going to use that moment. He's a servant-hearted guy. He's going to obey Jesus rather than allowing the fear to dictate. And the beautiful thing is when we do that, he learns. He's teachable. He's learning a whole lot of stuff about who God is and the plans he has. And I'll just land this, because I keep, I love doing this. Can you imagine the, well, let's think about this, the legacy that Ananias has. This little known man, his one moment of obedience, lands and sees a man like Paul come to know Jesus. And releases a, a ministry that affects the entire Roman world. And not only the Roman world has affected our world. Isn't that right? So really just in landing and then the kids are going to be coming in is this. When I look around the room today and I'm like, there's a whole group of Ananiases in this room. And there's a whole lot of Pauls out there. And I really felt when I was prepping and just praying and saying, Lord, what is the word? to Inverness Vineyard on their fifth birthday. This is what I felt the Lord say. He says, I want to position you for his purposes. He wants you to open your ears of 